Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. The Movie Virgins. Bross. And I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And this is a very special episode of Movie Virgins. First off, we just saw for the first time last night Nomadland, 2020's Nomadland. Nomad. Starring Frances McDormand, mm-hmm. directed by Chloe Zhao, based on a book by Jessica Bruder, I believe is her last name. This is also a very special episode because Lindsay is a little sick and not feeling so good. (laughs) I don't know that that makes it special. It does make it special because anything could happen. Anything could happen. I have so much snot in my head. I'm assuming it's snot in my head. It could kill me at any time. She could just go at any moment and then we would have recorded it. That's true. For posterity. For posterity and for rating's sake. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Nomadland, I believe, was released onto Hulu yesterday. Um, and this is a movie that I was aware of, was interested in watching. Did this come out in the theaters, or was it just... I think it might have been, but I'm mm. not sure. And obviously, if it was released in 2020, who fucking knows? Well, yeah. Um, but it was played at all the festivals, and there's been some some murmuring. Some murmuring. <laughs> murmuring. And I guess when I first saw that... I didn't know anything about it. I just knew, and I think I texted you. Because I was like, let's watch this movie. And you were like, I don't know what that is, but okay. And then I said, Francis McDormand, van life. Van life. <laughs> and I must say that... It's not quite the van life that you would think. It's not. No, so it's, when my head, van life... Is, is a choice. <clears throat> is one, a choice. And two, it's this Instagram, you know, Pinterest, you know, hashtag van life situation where people are... Yes, it's a choice, and it's a lifestyle, and it's kind of this hippy-dippy, romanticized thing. Sure, and it's it's RVing on a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, and we work in sort of the RV industry, so there were some things in here that I was excited to see, like the RV show. Did you see yeah. the Dometic signage? Sure. Oh, and yeah. They were talking to somebody from Dometic. That was great. Especially excited. since it came right after talking about the size buckets to use. And the whole time I was thinking, man, I think I'd probably just spring for a toilet. <laughs> like, that might cost me a shit ton of money. No pun intended. But at least you can sit on it. Right. And then they get it, They get inside of the big, like, fancy uh, yeah. RV. And, like, they're all, like, in awe of it, right? They're going to drive to Hawaii. You know, they're going to drive to Hawaii, but they've got just these. So, So I guess... I was glad that they kind of, and I read an interview that I think it was Esquire did with Jessica Jessica Bruder about um, the work that she did for the book. I was going to ask, so I, I didn't realize it was based on a book. Mm-hmm. Is the book, like, is it autobiographical? Was it about her life? Did she just know no. about these people and she get interested? She decided to live with them okay. for a period of months. So she lived in her van who she, that she calls Van Halen. 
that's a much better name than Vanguard. I Vanguard. I went to Nexium and was like, "Fuck!" This exactly, just ruined it for me. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Um, I was like, clearly, this woman does not have HBO. Of course, right. it was in 2011, but still. Right. So, she started. So basically, like, she spent months living in a camper van, documenting the intro. I'm just quoting this from IMDb. Documenting the intro. Iterant. Am I saying that right? Iterant. Itinerant. 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 Americans who gave up traditional housing and hit the road full-time, enabling them to travel from job to job and carve out a place for themselves in a precarious economy the, during the Great Recession, right? right. Um, the project spanned three years and more than 15,000 miles of driving from coast to coast and from Mexico to the Canadian border. Um, so, yeah, she immersed herself in this culture, got to know these people. The people that you see starring in the movie, Swanky, Bob Wells, mm-hmm. Linda, Linda May, they're all people that she knew from her her travels and that she wanted to they got to be a part of the movie mm-hmm. um and in the, in the interview she talks a lot about linda may and what a great person she is and um I, somebody had asked her at some point if she would be good on camera and she's just she's going to be who she is like she's she she referred to her a few times as just being so unself-conscious mm-hmm. um, that. and that everything that comes out of her mouth is quotable so, but I get, and I, the other interesting thing that I read in this article, so at this point, the, um, what do they call it? The RTR, which is the rubber tramp rendezvous that happens in Arizona every oh, year okay. that is run yeah. by, the meetup, that is run by Bob Wells. Like at the time, that it she, looks like Santa Claus. Right, right. At the time when she was doing this, it was like 75 people. It was what you see in the movie. Now it's thousands of people and it's a huge event. And so she was kind of talking about how, the, and they actually were filming, they recreated that Small. smaller one while the other one was going on in close close proximity, and she said it was a real mind fuck to have well, that going on. Did she say anything, or, or do you know now if it's, I, I mean, you got a feel for, you know, that smaller community, there, there were people who made that choice about having that life, but mm-hmm. they were obviously not. They weren't, I guess, they weren't like uh, well-to-do millennials who just wanted to do something different. Right. And I'm wondering if a lot of them now are that, as opposed to people who maybe couldn't, couldn't keep a house, you know, because they had to move out of a certain area. Um, were hit like, like we said, were hit by the Great Recession. How, how did he phrase it? What was he talking about? He called it the Almighty Dollar. Yeah. Uh, there was some phrasing he used in there, but but yeah, like essentially falling victim to the almighty dollar i mean obviously that was the feel that you got in the movie at that time in 2011 that that was who these people were or one of the things that they were great one of the things that they were greatly influenced by um but i guess my thought not really being super familiar with this community is that yeah like you said at the beginning that i I guess i kind of thought of van life as sort of this fancy instagram Mm -hmm. you know millennial influencers yeah, yeah, millennial influencers taking off and like just living life, and I wonder mm-hmm. at that in that community, how many people are like that versus people like the main character of this film who didn't really have anywhere else to go anyway and was just kind of trying to make do and wanted to be outdoors and you know not yeah. just be trapped or like the I, I say kids but they weren't really kids who she met up with who clearly don't wash and just had dreadlocks 
but mm-hmm. we're obviously kind of like right. so to speak modern day hippies right but they um, were still living they were still like feel like really living an authentic life yeah, yeah. well yeah, I'm as sure opposed they to the influencer van life but, thing right 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 so yes exactly yeah so she does they asked her if the influencer types mix with the nomads and do they go to the RTR? And she said there were so many people at RTR, there could well have been influencers there. Mm. The population has probably become more balanced between younger people and older people in the years since I first attended. You definitely see a lot of people who have painted follow the, our blog on their vehicles. Ah. The thing that really makes me roll my eyes are people who are sponsored. Plenty of people would, lo- would love to live off of their blogs but are combining it with other forms of employment. And she does talk a little bit about... Um, van life she goes this is jessica bruder again she says uh van life cracks me up if you want a quick laugh google van life and guilty subconscious there's a parody song about van life that's just sublime she says i feel like van life is more of a brand than a movement i think there are people out on the road doing their thing but i also think there's a slice of instagram influencers actually managing to find sponsorship for their lifestyle that's such a small aspirational place to be. It's easier to talk about how you're into minimalism than to discuss how the job market sucks and student loans are real and the federal minimum wage is flat. A lot of those forces at work on older folks in the book are also at work on younger generations. It's hard to get a good job now. The pricing, price of housing keeps climbing. But we as a culture are really into positivity, which sometimes becomes what I like to call weaponized positivity, which, yeah. So, so again, this movie was not that and I was really really excited when it opened up this new world to me that I didn't expect it's true I don't know these people and I I want to kind of (laughs) before we even get into well I guess we did kind of start to get into the details of the movie but I just want it to be known that I as a rule do not like putting so to speak real people into movies it It does feel a little yicky yeah it feels very awkward to me um I I like movies and TV and everything to feel real, sure, but there is still an element of acting that has to go on. Right. And it feels super, super fucking awkward when you have real people in them, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to get used to these people, and I, I and I don't say, like, I, I felt for them and as characters and everything, and, but there's still... They're not actors. It's like, and it, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's kind of the difference between seeing, you know, you take a stage actor and put them into a movie and you're like, oh my God, who is this over actor? And you right. put a movie actor onto the stage and you're like, I can't even understand what they're saying and they're they're not moving at all. And, right, right, right. So this isn't me saying that real people, so to speak, can't act. It's just, it's a, it gives a different feel. Somebody mm-hmm. is being them, their genuine selves and somebody else is being a character and I don't know that I've ever seen a time when I couldn't tell that. I will say Frances McDormand is amazing. Mm-hmm. And there were times where I did feel like she is 100% her character. Oh, yeah. And I could feel connection between her and these real people. She was obviously, yes. At times. But then there were still other times where I was brought back to, oh, that's right. Even though this is like everything. Uh, um, who was the woman who kayaks? What was her name? Swanky. Swanky. The, the stuff that she was going on and on about living her life and when she was kayaking and you know it could have died a happy woman at this point and the beautiful scene i that was the but, most, most beautiful thing to me but i didn't i didn't totally buy it because i know that she's a real person who's mm. acting right and it just didn't feel natural 
Yeah, there were a lot of mo- like in the beginning with Linda May, mm-hmm. I was like, are these real stories? Is this real? Like it took me a minute to fi- and I had seen a tweet I think earlier today or earlier yesterday where somebody was like, I just watched a they called it a documentary, but it's not a documentary. It's it, not. And it's, I think that's the problem I have with it too is I love movies and I love documentaries yeah. and they're very different and I don't really like the two melding together because mm-hmm. it feels very unnatural for me too. But I will say Aside from Frances McDormand, who is always, like, I just was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really beautiful to have these people share their true stories. And, like, hers is this this fictionalized, and there may be a real fern, and I think that Esquire story kind of talked about, you know, who she's based on from the, the book, but that these stories that there are real people who were affected by this and mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful that they were able to bring those people into this this piece of art and show them and showcase them in that way and it isn't yeah. just a bunch of actors I uh, yeah and I, I mean I agree with the sentiment behind it again it's just as a viewer I can tell yeah you can see it. I can see it too yeah it, yeah it, it takes me out a little bit yeah no I 100% agree with you um like when Linda May is talking about her um, brush with suicide and when Swanky yeah, yeah. and I I was and like did honest, Swanky really die and then I'm like googling like is Swanky Swanky's alive Swanky was at Tony Rice Film Festival when they released this yeah I figured know. that was just yeah. part of the story exactly right. but yeah even just hearing them speak there's a very different cadence to a so to speak normal person who is mm-hmm. untrained and just how they're speaking right. as yeah. opposed to somebody who is a trained actor who's taking mm-hmm. on a role um and knows exactly how to speak in front of the camera and you know all, all of that kind of it just sounds different to but me. I guess I should also say that I really liked the parts where Francis McDormand Fern was in in that life mm-hmm. I didn't like as much the parts of the story where she was with her sister at her sister's house or she was with what is his name Dave or whatever um yeah who, which I didn't even mind at her sister's house felt very unnecessary to me. Yeah, yeah. Just, I didn't need all that backstory. Right. Like that way, in that way. Like I didn't need to go well, over her And especially house. afterwards when she sat down with uh, Santa Claus. What was his name? Mark Wells. Thank you. Or no, Bob Wells. Bob, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she was talking to him about her husband and, you know, how they didn't have anybody else and she didn't really want to leave and all of Like that was enough pertinent backstory. Yeah. I didn't, didn't need to see the sister and the. Right. But I also see that it's. Um, an important part of this, her story. Mm-hmm. There are so. I was gonna ask you if you were ever scared for Fern. Mm-hmm. While you were watching this movie, were you ever afraid for her? I don't think so. Um, she seemed to have a handle on stuff for the most part. The only time I might have been a little afraid was when she she had to like take an immediate shit, <laughs> and. I thought, oh my gosh, she's been poisoned. Like, she has terrible food poisoning, and where did that food come from? And she's going to get, you know, monstrously dehydrated and die. Did she eat poison berries? What is happening right now? But I think she just had a bad shit. Um, But no, I I didn't feel... And granted, I am not good at judging danger versus safety, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's on me. But I didn't feel like she was in dangerous or precarious situation. I mean... She was in the in the sense that Swanky was saying too. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have a it's spare. A you got to be prepared for things. You're out in the middle of nowhere, but I didn't feel afraid for her. Even that night that she spent when the woman was saying it's going to get below freezing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you gotta. She seemed like she seemed like she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I guess 
I was afraid for her a lot. Like, any time that she... And I guess I didn't realize until the end. Like, you're getting bits and pieces of her. And I didn't, until the very end, when she tells that story about her husband and their life together. And then having that conversation with her sister where she's just saying, I can't sleep in this bed. I can't, I can't live here. And even when she's at Dave's son's house and she goes to sleep in the van, mm-hmm. that she is... She's just a wandering spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, she is just that. Which, in fairness, yeah, I think that talking to her sister about it, I think that was probably the first part. You know, going into the movie, you get the feeling that, because she even tells the kid, um, no, I'm, I'm not I'm homeless, homeless, I'm houseless. Yeah. So you definitely get the feeling that she's living in her van because she has to. And then, yeah, it was when she was with her sister that you realized that, oh, this has been a part this of her all along. This all is who along, she is, right? right? That she likes this lifestyle. And you get it a little bit when she's proud of her van and talking about the changes that she made to it and all the effort that she put into it but there's still an element of like they lost like they lost she lost everything and then that is the other so there's so many there's so many beautiful things about this movie aside from just the there are some just amazing cinematography the the light the natural light seeing Mm -hmm. her out in the world um just some incredible incredible work there but when we're when we're thinking about a person who she didn't just lose her house or her husband. She lost an enti- her entire community. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. that place just left. And then she says in the end, you know, I felt like if I left, I was going to be abandoning everything that my husband loved about that place. And then from the, at the very beginning, that struck me. Like, before I even ever got that story, I was like, she lost it's her community. Gone, yeah. And she's trying to find where a new community. And she finds this community of transient people who are in sort of the same situation that she is and they're the same age of the same generation and that they all come together and have this great community with each other Mm -hmm. and that they're i love what bob wells said about you know no goodbye is forever everything is you know see i'll see you down the road Mm -hmm. like that that is there's something so beautiful about that and it isn't just that it's it's not just connecting with people in that way but it's also connecting to nature like we're gonna live closer to the outdoors and we're gonna live a simpler life and in some ways they're forced into it because of the economic situations yeah i i was interested so with swanky did she she didn't mention anything about that did she about being poor, being forced out. I was curious because she started talking about her different travels and, she, you know, wanting to go back kayaking to Alaska and kayaking and yeah. all over. So I guess I was just curious with her if she just decided to live this way and I, has been doing it all along or if she was kind of pushed into it. She doesn't ever really say. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, and honestly, she seemed, like, she seemed really buttoned up. I, I guess going back to the fear thing, too, I was afraid for Fern a lot. Anytime that she, again, she's a wandering spirit. She's a free spirit. But she obviously didn't have this, I don't live in a house thing down pat. Yeah. She was still figuring it out. And anytime she approached a stranger, I was like, oh, that person could be bad. Or anytime a stranger approached her, I was worried when she was in, like it was freezing out, you know, when she got the flat. Like I just always had these this fear you know of like what's gonna happen to her is something bad gonna happen to her is she gonna get assaulted is she gonna be murdered like it's funny too because i think you know we <laughs> we watch these movies m- movies in general we watch movies we watch television um we read books we get stories right and mm-hmm. the stories are always about not even necessarily the worst thing that happens but the stories are always about something happening mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're used to that idea. It's been kind of implanted in us from the stories is waiting for something to happen so that when we're watching on screen, a person approach another person, your immediate thought is something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. But of course, when you're out in life, 
nine times out of 10, nothing happens. Nine times out of 10, it's just somebody asking for a cigarette. Nine times out of 10, it's just somebody saying, hey, how's your day? Nine times out of 10, it's not a big deal. So I wonder how much of that is maybe you looking for danger and stuff. Right, like that's what I mean. Like part of it may just be you, but I wonder if part of it is also the difference between watching a story unfold on screen wherein we are always expecting Mm. there to be that next thing versus what kind of reality might be but yeah but i did love the that they share how they share with each other bits and pieces of life and Mm -hmm. they these experiences that she's having that she wouldn't that she wouldn't have had otherwise like these like when they're looking at they're looking at the stars they're looking at jupiter through a telescope and they're looking Mm -hmm. at the stars through a telescope and this guy is telling them you know these atoms that are in you are atoms that came from stars millions of years ago and it's so interesting too like it's that i'm gonna sound like such a fucking asshole whatever that's let me it, right let it out let it let it out um there are things <laughs> that that they talk about like that um or you know when he's talking about rubbing the stones together and how many there are so many fossils mm-hmm. out here and and stuff like that um, or when they go to the RV show and she's trying to hand the guy a paper resume and he's like, uh, no, 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 just just go online. There are so many things that happen that make me feel like, how do you not know this stuff? Like, didn't you learn about stars in school? Don't you just read stuff? Haven't you ever watched Nat Geo? Or, or I, I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Like shit like that where if, if somebody was telling me all about that with the stars and with Jupiter and Jupiter's the biggest planet, I'd be like, yeah, I know. I mean, it's cool that you're telling me this. And I liked when they all held out their hands and mm-hmm. it was like, feel it, you know. It's more meaningful, but, I think, when you're in the moment, like seeing that. Like, oh, I'm not disputing that. Like it's one thing to sit in a classroom it's... or read it on a Nat Geo website. It's quite another like. No, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with the experience of it. I, I'm just saying there was something about, there were moments where it felt like these people didn't know things that I feel like are commonly known things. And I think part of that for me is my elitist attitude. Like, I absolutely mm-hmm. admit that, that, you know, I'm upper middle class, well-educated white girl mm-hmm. from the Midwest. I've had a lot of, of privilege just with education, as an example. Um, and I know that I have a real elitist attitude and I go into things assuming that everybody knows this and everybody knows that. Um, and my first gut instinct when I see somebody who's like amazed by something that seems common knowledge to mm-hmm. me is to think, uneducated idiot, mm. which isn't fair, of course, but may also be the uneducated part may well be true. Doesn't mean they're idiots, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me really curious about this group of people in terms of, uh, I guess, working class individuals too. Like, I, I don't know as many people who don't have education and just go straight into work. And as she was talking about her work experience, it sounded like she did just kind of go straight into work and she Mm -hmm. just did whatever she could do, you know, and what skills do I have? Just doing whatever I can do. Like, yeah, I can work at Amazon. I can work, you know, I can do whatever. Um, I don't know many people like that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. And I'm always really curious about them because it feels like that is a huge section of society. We know it's a huge section of society of people who just do and do what they have to do to survive but not knowing them I'm very I'm just really interested in them and and kind of fascinated by Mm -hmm. what kinds of things do you know about whatever about astronomy or about geology or I mean she she obviously is well read you know she was Mm -hmm. 
she recited the whole sonnet that the Emily Browning sonnet. Yeah, that nobody ever remembers beyond the first what couple of stanzas. Shall I compare these to a th- to a summer's day? Right. Right. Everybody yeah. pretty much stops there. Right. Thou, or thou art, art lovely, lovely and more temperate. temperate. Boom. Yeah. Done. That's R- all I know. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, but thy loves bloom. I can't remember. Even the song, the song in the very beginning, and I don't remember what it was now, but she was singing the song in her van as she was driving. It's along. What child is this? So I don't know the words to that at all. I hum it. All the time. Oh, I know all the words. For whatever reason, it's in my head a lot, and I think it's just a great song to kind of like hum. It's but a, it's a very, it's a haunting melody. I like yeah, the, yeah, the exactly. melody a lot. Yeah. I don't know the fucking words, so she knows <laughs> stuff. I'm not like I'm not trying to say she doesn't. I'm just really curious about what they know. And same with like Swanky, you know, she's well traveled, but mm-hmm. like, what kind of education do you have? What kind of work experience do you have? Where have you been in the world? I guess is right. what I'm saying. So I guess for me the experiences so that like there are I go to parks and stuff and I go on tours and I see things and I I learn things that I didn't know and I learn things that I aren't and like I hear things they already knew it's up to me it's it 100% it's about the experience like Mm -hmm. yes we know that Jupiter is the biggest planet in our solar system and yes we we probably learned that atoms and recycle or whatever in the universe but it's very powerful to be seeing that in the dark of night with a group of humans and think about it. And it's really like the, the story that Swanky tells about the swallows. Mm-hmm. I was so like, I, you can, I was, no, no, no I, I'm laughing because when she sent the video of it, my first thought was terror. If I, oh, because of the birds? I, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know what, what was so scary about it to me, but if I were kayaking underneath all of those nests and surrounded by swallows... Somebody's going to poop on you. I'd be free... I've been shit on by birds, too. It's I, good luck. It's seven years good luck. There's just something about that that freaked me the fuck out, right. and I don't... Maybe it's an old fear of birds. I don't know what it was. So it wasn't so much the video that she sent, but the, when yeah, she's but sitting the there story. telling the story, and she's talking about her life and what it is now, and there were so many people that we kind of met who had these stories, um, and Swanky's story was, you know, I'm sick, and I'm not going to live, mm-hmm. and I want to live my life the way I want to live it, and it's, I want to be out in the world, and I want to have these experiences that I love, mm-hmm. and this was an experience that I had where I felt really connected. I was really worried about her, though, when she said she wanted to go back to Alaska, and it was obviously winter, <laughs> and she's, like, dying. What did she say? They said maybe six months or something. Right. But then she's also got... Kevorkian's book and she's ready to offer herself if she needs to and yeah and I think that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about is you know the way she talked about Kevorkian was as though she didn't expect anybody else to know who Kevorkian was and it always amazes me when people who nobody cares it's just it, it amazes me when people do that because my first thought and I don't know why I feel this way I don't know why my brain goes mm-hmm. to this place but my first thought when you talk to me about something that I already know about it's and like, feel like duh, everybody should know, know about it. it. Exactly. It's like a duh. I'm not saying it's a good way to be. It's actually really annoying for me too because I end up chiding myself but about think, it. But think about these people that they are connected to a network of people that they know and they're connected to the planet in this way and they're, con- you know, but they are off the fucking grid. Like okay. that. that's, those are the people we're talking about right now. So like this isn't somebody who spends time on the internet. Yeah, they're watching Bob Wells videos, but it's, I feel like it's just a, it's a... That's why I'm saying, I'm not saying, I'm not judging them. Mm-hmm. I'm literally saying I'm it is very a, curious about it. It is a different way of living. And like Swanky is basically saying, 
I exist outside of the American healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And if I need to take care of myself, I will take care of myself. And she does that herself. And I, you see it again and again. They take care of each other, but they're not going... The only time anybody ends up in the hospital is Dave, and it's because he's got his diverticulitis, and he's got it, you know, and it's a problem. And, and Dave, obviously, like, I was curious about him, too, as to how he got there, because he didn't feel yeah. like he... He didn't really belong in that group in the same way. Yeah. Like, he obviously was more of a tourist, yeah, I guess, in maybe. a sense. Maybe. So Which yeah. is fine. I, the, obviously, was part of his life. But. Yeah, but I think that there's something to that when they're they're talking about like these are they're living a different kind of life. It is a it is disconnected from life as we know it. Yeah, and that there is a support system in there, and that anybody can do it. And it's again, it's a very different kind of life than what we live, and that's the part that I really appreciated. That this there's a freedom in it. Yeah. But there's also, there's danger there, too. So you have to find that balance. And um, It's it's back to uh, Into the Wilderness. That was it? Into oh the Wild. God. Sorry, Into the Wild. Into the Wild. Um, but the same kind of idea, right? This kid, God, he but just... But that was an idealistic dumb no, kid. Well, regardless of his reasoning, though, he just needed to get away from people. He just needed to get out into nature. Sure. Now, yeah, he was idealistic and ultimately... Kind of didn't dumb. know what the fuck he was doing. Right, and Went ended by and himself. Paid the price for it. Yeah, um, which I think had he had someone like a swanky, he might have been better <laughs> off. Have. But the point is, is I, I do think, regardless of age, regardless of upbringing, regardless of socioeconomic class, regardless of all of these things, there are some of us who absolutely crave that. Yeah. And, oh, and, sure. Yeah. And crave it at different times in our mm-hmm. lives, which is why I think that Dave, Dave, his name is Dave. 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 Maybe it was a different time for him. Yeah, I think that's you know again one of the reasons why I'm kind of curious about him is because I don't feel like he was any uh less authentic mm. about living that life I feel like it was just something he needed to do at mm-hmm. that time and that could be the case for any of us like I've definitely had moments where I wanted to just get away yeah get the fuck away and maybe for a week maybe for a month maybe for the rest of mm-hmm. my life who knows unless or until you try another really fascinating thing about this movie for me was the Amazon part. Here's why. Oh, yeah. So I did not know that Amazon has a program called Camper Force. No. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I am blown away by that. That they are hiring transient labor. These 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 day laborers. All, so did you look it up? I, I did. I didn't read into it, but that okay. that is a program where they are hiring folks. Is it just in certain areas, though, or is it all of their... <sighs> I don't know. I would imagine it's any time that they need... Is it just for extra help? Like seasonal? I think so, like seasonal work, yeah. Like if you're come if you're passing through, like so if you paid attention to the cycle in the movie, it's during the holidays, so holiday mm-hmm. shipping season, holiday rush, right. like, you know, that she's there and then right around New Year's Eve it's like the job is done and she's moving on. Um, and that they're providing places for them to park and they're paying mm-hmm. for that, um, and then giving them work. Also, the very first thing in watching her package up somebody's Amazon box, was that here is someone who doesn't have a home, who doesn't have a house, mm-hmm. right? Because we there's a little there's a lot mm-hmm. here too about what does home actually mean to people. Um, there's a lady's tattoo on somebody's arm that says something. What did it say? Um, home. Blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what it said. I, I thought I wrote it down. But anyway, um, that she's packaging up a material item. For someone who probably has a job and lives a comfortable middle class, upper class life, who is buying things like that they probably don't need. 
She wouldn't <laughs> have that job if not for that. Sure. I mean, I hadn't. Th- you know what I thought about in that moment where she was packaging that box? She is slow. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, but I have been told by professional movers that I can flat pack a box. I can do it, and I can do it fast. I'm running that tape gun <laughs> ten times as fast as that woman. She was slow. Well, and I do, and I think, I do think Frances McDormand had done some of these jobs. Like, yeah, she yeah. worked in the beet farm, and she did, you know. The beet farm was nuts to me. Right. I'm not a the fan pile of beets. beets. Not a fan of beets anyway. So I can't imagine I can't imagine that we really need that many beets in the mm-hmm. world. Do we need that many beets? There were, that was a lot of beets. People eat beets. Do they like? Do they eat that many beets? I mean, just because you don't. There was eat a them. moment in there where, like, at the very beginning, I I just I couldn't quite tell what they were, and I thought potatoes. Mm. And and I at first was I like, had that thought too. Yeah, it's some kind like, of obviously root vegetable, but right, it didn't right, right. look like a potato. But I was like, potatoes. That makes perfect sense. Everybody loves potatoes. There'd be a ton of potatoes. And then I was like, wait, are those turnips? <laughs> no, people don't love turnips that much. Beets. How are there that many beets? They actually looked more like turnips than beets. And yeah. I would rather eat a turnip than a beet. I would as well. I have nothing against beets. I just don't. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting texture. <laughs> uh, and so, not much flavor for all that texture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you had borscht? Never had borscht. No. Have no. heard. Have heard. I, I mean, yes, I know exactly what it is. No, I have not had it. <laughs> would you like a beet soup? Right. That um, sounds good. So, yeah, just the whole Amazon thing was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And I think about Amazon probably too much and modern-day consumerism and how much it's changed, changed, how much it did change in 2020 and how it's going to continue to change. Mm -hmm. Malls are dying. Everybody buys everything on the line. The pandemic is... It was fascinating, though. It's really interesting. When when we went to Australia, which was, what, two years ago now? Mm -hmm. Um, And there was... It may have been right outside of Sydney. There was, like, one billboard for Amazon. And as we were talking to people, so we, we come from an e-commerce company, so obviously we know e-commerce. Mm-hmm. But as we were talking to people there, they were like, Amazon, yeah, we like, yeah, we know what it is. I mean, we'll, we'll use it for stuff. But no, it's it's not really, it's not a, like a household thing. It's not something that in we Australia. all use in Australia. Yeah, they were like, yeah, we still go to the shops. We still go places. Mm-hmm. You know, of course we order online. I mean, it's still the 21st century. Right. But no, the consumer that nowhere near what and it's so hilarious that we i think we're so used to it we kind of take for granted oh. that like i can buy absolutely anything i want on my app because of amazon more than mm-hmm. anything obviously you know other stores trying to keep up you can get the same kind of service or similar service from them but but in other parts of the world they aren't necessarily practicing those same shopping habits and and they were telling us um it's growing you know, mm-hmm. they probably will get to that point as well. But it's funny, there, I think the e-commerce industry was 10 years behind, maybe? You think so? 10 um, years? I mean, it's, they're still actually physically shopping, going to I mean, shops. before which, the pandemic, I was still physically shopping. Well, yeah, we all, mall, we like, all were, but I think we were all also online shopping. I don't know. I, I don't know about this, because we did, did we not just have a discussion with, and all of, of the people at our company and there lied. were so many people saying that they just didn't do but then we the then we actually online. talked about it and they were like well i mean except for this and except for this and except for this they were still doing it i just i guess maybe i adopted it i was more quick to adopt it and in part that maybe that's because i'm an introverted person and i just don't like to be around people that much and so mm-hmm. it was like it's just easier like and it is easier and i don't feel good about it like the packaging of things like i hate that 
Mm-hmm. Um, but like if I'm in a store looking at something, I will look the reviews up online. Like I'm still I'm still using oh, online retail shopping type tools to before That's I make weird. a purchase. That seems so time consuming. No, it's like I'm standing in front of a vacuum and I'm like, okay, like I'm I the vacuum in front of me doesn't have a star rating next to it. I better look on the line and see. I guess. You know. Now, I don't know that you need the star rating. Is look, it, do you need a new vacuum? Looking for vacuum recommendations. If anybody would like to share one with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes peeled. The Suck 2000. Never had a shark, so maybe. Yeah. maybe but I'm hearing maybe, not great maybe. things about uh, some of them. So My vacuum's making a weird high-pitched... Like a... Constant noise, but it's not the... Like, the little turny thing isn't stuck. Um... And I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I might need, I might, I might just need to clean mine out. I haven't cleaned the filter in a long time, though. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, like, uh, going back to the stories and, like, be, her being at the um, RTR. And I think it was the things that, the things that Bob was saying. He was saying, you know, he, he kind of referred to them as workhorses. Mm, they were the yeah, workhorses who were being put out to pasture. Which was interesting. Because he said something like, um, the workhorses who allow themselves to be workhorses. Mm-hmm. And all I could think, it was funny because it's true of people I get that. With the horses, I was like, do you really think they allow them? I guess they, maybe do they allow themselves to be broken? I don't know. I think they're just kind of put in that situation. Yeah. And then, then we're hearing these people tell their stories around this fire. And one woman's talking about how you know, she worked with a guy who got really sick and then was in the hospital when the HR called him and said he could Oh, he was, yeah, he, he was, was dying he, and he and never made it to retirement. And then he died like 10 days later and he, he, she, he never got to use his, the boat that was parked in his right. driveway and she had this moment of, I need, I don't want to live my life like this mm-hmm. anymore. And so it's interesting to me to think about that. Like, I am trapped. I am trapped by this um, house. I'm trapped by this house. I'm trapped by all the things that tie me to I have to get money mm-hmm. to pay to live a life. And it is a scary thing to cut the cord on that and mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to be free of the almighty dollar, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be free of all of that. And these people are free. Like, at one point, there was a lady talking. She had these giant fucking feather earrings. And she was talking about her, oh, her grandpa, close relatives her who had died back to back. And she said something about being out there and just being at peace Mm -hmm. and there's something very human in all of that that it's not just being about being connected to nature but just about like how to just and i think i've been thinking about this a lot recently too because this pandemic has made everything just come to a fucking screeching halt and you just gotta take a long goddamn i keep saying gd i apologize you gotta take a long pause a life pause and i've heard so many people with families who've just been at home with their kids and saying like i love that i get to be home with my kids right now Mm -hmm. during the day and have lunch with my children like i we never we never would have had this we would have just been running around like little busy bees like all the time not being together and for me i don't have the social pressure of having to do all this stuff and it's surprise to me like not a huge surprise because i did you know always kind of have this feeling but like now that it's gone and i actually am starting to fucking relax and it's like wild um and there's something too about the cyclical nature of it, which fits into the, the seasons and cycles of this planet. I'm gonna go work at Amazon, and then after I go to Amazon, I'm gonna make my way down south where it's warmer, and then I'm gonna go to the RTR. You're, you're migrating, right? And then I'm gonna, you know, and then I'm gonna go do this job while it's like I'm. Gonna I mean, work if you're Badlands, well, if you're living outside, you're gonna have to follow right. the weather. But there's just 
the the cycles of it and the seasons of it like I really buy into that kind of stuff because I do think that life is that way and I think a lot of the time I'm living in this space of we can call it consumerism and we've talked so much about the money that I have spent in the last year mm-hmm. on just things and in this house and when you have a house you feel like you have to do all these things with the house you have to take care of the outside of it you take care of the inside of it you gotta buy things you gotta have shit in the house yeah. and then you're just kind of again. You it's you're stressing it feels me out. like a fucking cage, and and it feels trapped. And and I and you start to feel trapped. Um, and then there's to be a be disconnected from my mind, my body, nature. It's mm-hmm. fucked up to think about, and I don't want to feel that way. And again this last year has allowed me to think more about that and what and I and I remember in moments in my life like with this house and just I wrote down on a piece of paper this was years ago I was like make it what you want it to be like make it like my life and this house and whatever else I have can be whatever I want it to be Mm -hmm. but the internet and television and social media make me want all of these things that I wouldn't want if I didn't know about them. Sure. Nobody can make you want things. So I right. would argue that, yeah, they're putting it in front of you and they may be influencing you. But if it's, you're it's finding yourself, if it's you're finding influence. yourself wanting stuff, there's a reason behind that that's you. Maybe what you're getting isn't what you really need. Right. But you're still missing something that like you need. Like I'm, I'm trying to feel. So what, what. What kind of life do... And then again, going back to the lady with the, the co-worker who had the boat that he never used. And she made a choice. I want to live mm-hmm. a life that is meaningful, more meaningful than what I have mm-hmm. at this corporate office. And that's for her. Right. And I'm not saying we can't have meeting. Sure. I'm not saying that my... Well, that, and that's right. my point is that I think if you if you feel trapped, if you feel like you're getting more and more stuff things but it doesn't help Mm -hmm. then obviously you are missing something and trying to fill a hole and you need to figure out what that hole is now maybe that hole is nature maybe that hole is family living in a van down by the river yeah 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 Uh, i mean he helps kids too he's a motivational speaker not fully yeah but i mean whatever it is and you may have no clue what it is until unless or until you experience it Mm -hmm. um and i guess for these people obviously it's I guess nature is a part of it, at least for some people. And I think for others, it's, yeah, being outside of society. And I think for others, it's not being tethered um, and just being able to feel free and on their own, which I... That's what Fern needed. Yeah, that's what she... And I I think that really appeals to me. Um, Yeah, it does. it Because I cling to things literally like I'm a hoarder I I actually am I do cling to things because they provide a certain sense of comfort um but I acknowledge the fact that that comfort is false and being away and being detached from things and sometimes from people as well there's a freedom there that's unlike any other Mm. um I would be afraid personally if I went out and just lived in my van that I would never come back that I would just Mm -hmm. mentally get lost I don't know that that would be a bad thing I might end up having a great life but I also know that I can get inside my own head in dangerous ways Mm -hmm. too so I I could end up in bad spot um but I absolutely understand that desire and that need to 
to kind of shut yourself off. And she was doing it a lot with uh, Dave too. She like, was she, she was, was cutting ties with everybody. Yeah, and that might have been people away that might have been just her having been so hurt from losing her husband and her entire community that she was scared. Well, and I don't know if it was all just fear either, or again clinging to the past. Like she had that conversation with the woman where she was talking about. She asked her if she was married, and she was saying, you know, yes, I am married, but he died. But no, I'm never taking this ring off. It's mm-hmm. always only ever going to be him, um, which is fine. You, you you cling to whatever you need to cling to. But I kind of got the feeling that with Dave in particular, it wasn't that she wanted to get away from him. It was that she had made this decision. That she's not going to connect with anybody like that again. Right. Right or wrong, mm-hmm. good or bad. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was just, that was how she decided to live her life and really protect that heart right she really wasn't i mean she basically cut ties with her family mm-hmm. and didn't really have any fr- it seems like she met her husband like she was always kind of this wild child or this 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 wandering spirit met her husband fell in love and then they had this that last shot where she goes and so she goes into this house that they had together in empire mm-hmm. and looks out in the back and and then you see what their view was that they were essentially living van life in that house like they were living in this very small i actually looked up empire it's like super out in the middle of nowhere the closest next town is like 60 miles away mm-hmm. just out in this really rugged country is it anything now i mean now we're 10 years I later i think they, they said and somebody else bought the town so empire nevada um was a company town which means it was owned by United States Gypsum. Mm-hmm. Closed the mine and the town in 2011. It was purchased in 2016 by Empire Mining Company. Okay. Um, but it's it's a ghost town. It is designated as a ghost town. So they still haven't rebuilt or done anything. Yeah. Okay. And the population was 2017 in the 2010 census. Um, but the nearest town is 60 miles away to the south. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's just in the middle of nowhere. In very rugged country. So, I mean, she was used to living in that, that kind of life. Yeah. Um, so I guess the it made sense for her to kind of go into this this mode of like... I mean, she, she couldn't get a job because she wanted to stay in Empire. That's what she was trying to do um, at the very yeah. beginning. And it just didn't work out. So she had to leave. and Which was sad. But... It well, led- the great thing about your house being on wheels is you can always come back. Yeah, that's true. But then she does come back and says goodbye for like that's what that that's the, how I read the end of the movie was that she's saying goodbye for good. She's getting rid mm-hmm. of every, all of her other worldly belongings that were in that storage unit, right? And going back to the, what was her home and saying goodbye. And she goes, she even goes back to the the offices of that. And I imagine those are truly that was. I imagine that was real. I imagine that house was really an empire. I imagined the office in that. Um. At the mine was real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was just, it was, yeah, some of the moments with the people who were real people who were playing, like, versions of themselves, mm-hmm. it took me out. Yeah. But otherwise, beautiful to me. And I felt, it, it, I just really connected with it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And maybe it's because of 2020 and the pandemic and all the things I just said. Um, what is it that you, I mean, like I had said, you know, I, I understand wanting to cut off <laughs> like mm-hmm. cut off ties and get it what is it that you that you connect with or that appeals to you about it i guess it is that it's not about cutting ties with people it's about cutting again, ties with things about too, being say, it's about it's about freedom yeah like it's about being free from like if you like i there, was it the tyranny of the dollar is that what he called it maybe 
Maybe it was know, a tyranny of the dollar. Yeah. I didn't actually, I didn't write it down. Anyway, sorry. Um, yes. But yes, being free of the tyranny of capitalism, so to speak. Yeah. So, to speak. so there's, and, and again, and I think, so there was that, that part of it, of, of just fi- being actually free from mm-hmm. American consumerism and all of like, I own a car, I own a house. Like, I don't have any student loan debt anymore. Thank God. Paid that off. But um, that's just showing my age there. But, <laughs> um, and, and how I didn't have to pay a ton for college. But that these things keep me here. It's more than just friends and family because, like, I could. It's things that I love, too. Yeah. I love my dog and my cats. Yes, that is another and thing. And yes. I've thought about that before, that, you know, one of the things that keeps me from traveling so much. Is that you have these. Is, is having them. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of them in any right. way. And I I'm get not, yeah. so much more love from them, but mm-hmm. I can't deny that that's the case. That's actually one of the. It's not one of the reasons I don't have kids. I don't have kids because I don't have kids. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never got, I'm not married, and I know myself well enough to know that I damn well can't raise a kid on my own, mm-hmm. so I don't have kids. But I imagine if I did, there would be a big part of me that would, I don't I don't want to say regret having kids. I, I certainly hope that I would love them. But I think I would be the kind of person who would also, who would feel the same way mm-hmm. that I do about my pets. Like, of course, I love you, but I also there's so much I can't do mm-hmm. because I'm tied here yes. because of you. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes it, sometimes it feels like you're trapped. Right. Yeah. And they even, I think they address that a little bit. Well, when she finds that dog wandering. Oh yeah, that was and, heartbreaking. And he's just kind of wandering around. She takes him to like the, you could the keep office. the dog in the van though. Right. The office of the RV park and, and the lady says, oh, it's so-and-so's. He had a stroke. He had to leave. They, could, they couldn't take the dog. Right? And that's awful, and that probably happens a lot. Um, and Linda May tells a story about how she was going to blow herself up, and then she was looking at her dogs and couldn't do it. Um, Which was funny to me. Like, I... <laughs> the way she was talking about it at first, when she was like, I would just get really drunk and turn the propane on and you know if i ever if i woke up i would just light a cigarette and blow myself up so mm-hmm. you're thinking in the two stages you know she's planning on killing herself in a peaceful way of just breathing in some gas and letting go <laughs> but if that doesn't work i'm gonna blow, blow myself, myself up, up. <laughs> and then she's talking about the animals and how she couldn't do that to them and my i actually laughed out loud i was like yeah you're damn right you can't blow them up what the hell are you thinking woman <laughs> well but it's really powerful for her and then say and then i probably can't do that to myself either right like, yeah, why am yeah, that's I, true exactly why do i put more yeah why why do i not care about my life anymore right right and there was something too about i think connect people people in these late stages of life where they might be sick and they might be dying mm-hmm. or they've lost others as well right. or, yeah and Frances mcdormand like i'm watching her and i just kept seeing my mom like i just kept thinking about so like my mom got to a point where she was really sick, and then she got better, but she just had this awful, shitty job. It wasn't enough. She loved her job. But, like, it didn't pay any money. She didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. It was hard to live. It was hard to get by. And then she got really sick again. And, you know, it's, how do you pay for a funeral? Like, that's the conversation. And I remember my sister calling me, because I was living, not living at home at the time. And she said that it was, like, I can't remember at what point the whole thing was, but my mom had to talk to a social worker because they had to talk about money and who was going to take it. And my sister was just mad. She was like, the social worker made mom cry. She was like, pissed. Was it like a hospice stage? <sighs> it, we probably weren't there yet, but we were probably close. Mm-hmm. And and my sister was just so fucking pissed. And, 
yeah, like the system, we're not taking good enough care of people. Like we're just not. And it's really awful and sad. And I just was watching her and thinking like this could have been my mother. Like who, you know, didn't have a good enough job to keep a house and could have been ended up living very quick. Of course, my mom had like three or four cats at the time. So I don't know where the cats. We would have all had that would have cats. Been a crazy, I mean, that's what happened when she died. Everybody had to take some cats. Crazy fucking van. Can you I know. imagine? Um, it would have been really smelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would have been really smelly. I did read a blog about a woman who, she's a young woman, she travels in, she has like a, like an SUV and tows a, a camper, I think. Just like a pop-up? Yeah, maybe. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but they live in there and she has a cat and like a dog, maybe two dogs, and mm-hmm. she, it was a whole bit about the litter box and how she handles that and I read it, in, with I was engrossed in it because <laughs> I've, just done so much with litter boxes in my life, and I thought so much about it, and I feel like I've got a great system that works awesome now. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to think about how do you live with a cat in like a basically one room, a tiny one room space with huh. a litter box. Just, just a really hard situation. Yeah, because the dog, you know, you can put him on a leash mm-hmm. and walk him around, and I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And when you're traveling, the cat, so the cat and the dog are up with, in the front with her right, when right. they're traveling. So like, well, what happens when the cat has to pee? And she's like. We figured it out. Like, I can tell when, like, they let, the cat lets me know if we have to pull off. So. Okay. But she's like, but we had some accidents in the beginning, but it sorted out. Um, so yeah, I just, I was thinking a lot about my mom and, like, her situation and what it would have been like if this was her. There's sadness in it. There's, there's grief about her losing her community and her husband, but there's so much hopefulness, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think part of that, though, would have been different if Fern hadn't already been that kind of person. Yeah, and that's, um, it's interesting because the beginning of the movie, it feels like I'm about to be told a story about a woman who, like you said, lost everything. Lost, you know, her husband, her home, her community, and was forced into this life. And we're going to see how, how our consumerism the capitalist society has driven people to to mm-hmm. these extremes like that's what it felt like the movie was starting out as and then as you continue on you get a feel that she's totally comfortable maybe not 100 percent comfortable obviously that you know freezing is not comfortable i mean there are right. things but really she's comfortable living this life yeah and and embraces it mm-hmm. and and it's again it's not until you get to the scene with her sister that at that point and that's halfway through more than halfway through the movie oh that's probably like in the last third of the movie yeah yeah um, and it's it. not until you get there that that you, you find out that yeah this has kind of been her thing mm-hmm. all along not necessarily living in a van but but being sort a of different kind of life a yeah, simpler yeah, life. yeah right 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 um that nobody's really surprised that she could just like pick up and take off or, mm-hmm. or what have you that she's that kind of person so it was like it made her, she was a very interesting character but it sort of felt a little bit um i don't know it it didn't feel like two different stories or two different characters or two different movies it it felt a little bit like trickery though <laughs> like you like you're telling me in the beginning that she's this person but then you're telling me later that she's, she's this person yeah. and it just felt like i couldn't tell if it was just trying to work too much into a single character mm-hmm. or or into a single story mm-hmm. you know that 
because if she is a composite character maybe or if we just want to get in all of these different aspects and reasons why people turn to this life um I don't know there was something about it that just felt awkward to me that like she was misrepresented at some stage yeah if that makes sense could you do it live in a van down by the river (laughs) yeah yeah I think say you can bring smelly with you and the cats are happy and live with your parents I mean that's like let's take that off the table and but smelly has to go with that's the the yeah exactly I think for me in my whole life I've been an animal lover and I've never been without a pet and I think that would be I could live without people and I don't mean that to sound like I hate people or anything. Right, but you could be alone. And I, yeah, like I, I need the energy of people mm-hmm. at times. There are definitely times where I need to be around them and kind of pull from their energy. Um, but I don't, <laughs> it make me sound like a crazy person, but I can carry on a conversation with myself. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, really I think the pandemic proved that you that. are, you are a deep introvert and you are way A-okay just being in, in the right, house and right. being And I think, you know, if you're living van life or RV life or whatever, you know, you're still able to go wherever you please. Yeah. Um, so as long as I had that ability, like, could I survive on my own in a cabin in the middle of nowhere? For a while, for sure. But... I don't know how long, but could I survive on my own being able to go from place Mm -hmm. to place? So when I get tired of this place or bored of this place, or I'm worried about the weather changing, or I'm afraid of the people around me, Mm -hmm. if that's the case, or I just need to be around people. Like I said, maybe I need to recharge and pull some people energy. Um, Maybe I can drive through, you know, a city or something Mm -hmm. and kind of pull on some of that. And then when I need to get the hell away, (laughs) I can go and get the hell away. All of that sounds amazing to me. Um, Scary. Sure. And, and, and an adventure, hard. I feel like. Yeah, and boring at times. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it would be yeah. totally boring. Look, like, dude, I watch so much Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus. <laughs> I have subscriptions to everything. I am constantly watching TV. We have a fucking podcast about movies. I know. To disconnect from that would be hard. Yeah, exactly. That would be, I think that would actually be the hardest thing for me would be to disconnect from entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I would tell you, in my van, there'd be a DVD player, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. And I may have only five or ten movies that I could cycle right. through. Um, but I would probably cycle through them and watch them. And, you know, I'd have to have some kind of books or something. I mean, I do think, I think the boredom would be the biggest part. But that being said, even when I was a little kid, I used to just lay there. Oh, yeah. And, like, make up movies in my own head, you know. I, and I could do that for you hours. Could write. I could fucking Lindsay, write. You could write. I haven't, honestly, I was on a roll before the pandemic. Like, I would, I'd go to work, I'd come home from work every night, most nights. I mean, occasionally I'd work late, but for the most part, most nights, six o'clock, six mm-hmm. to seven's writing time. Yeah. Um, sometimes it'd go a little bit longer. Maybe I'd get home a little bit earlier and I'd get a little bit more in, but six to seven was writing time. Sunday afternoons, Saturday afternoons sometimes too. Like I, I was doing it all the fucking time. I, it's been so hard these last several, several, several yeah. months. And I'm not saying I haven't written anything at all, but man, it's been fucking hard. It's hard. And I can't explain why. I'm sure it's a, a lot of things, um, but I can't quite put my finger on mm. why the creativity is 
creativity is always kind of hard life's to find. a little life's a little harder now it's, it's a different, different anyway yeah. yeah but yeah. imagine if you could drive somewhere mm-hmm. and just feel inspired I was, because there is a lot to do with I, I do feel like being for in me, a different space yeah for me especially inspiration often comes just from within yeah but seeing places and being in certain places and seeing certain things and seeing certain people and yeah. things like that I can definitely impact that too. Just getting out of this house and driving around, I feel so much more inspired. Mm-hmm. Like and and the tharts, the thought tharts. Tharts it's like a thought fart. Oh, I was thinking it was like a dark thought. <laughs> but dark thoughts. A thought, a thought fart, fart thoughts. Thought fart. Is that like one that comes unexpectedly? <laughs> like, oh my like, god, I just tharted. <laughs> Leah, I just had a thought. <laughs> or is it like really shitty thoughts? Like, it's, it's just like diarrhea thoughts. Really stinks. It's a, the diarrhea of the mind. That stank. <laughs> it's shitty thoughts. Uh, when I'm tharting. <laughs> Can you please stop tharting? Stinking up the whole room with your tharts. <laughs> anyway. The mind starts moving. You know, like when I'm driving around. Oh, like gurgling. Like, <laughs> like, like what gurgle, happened with the her. Gurgle the gurgle that comes right before. <laughs> she's just like, uh-oh. I love that she's like, I was so scared she wasn't going to find any paper to wipe with. I know, right? And then she's like clicking on the fan, like get that shit going. <laughs> I've had to use one of those glamping toilets in a cabin and it's it's fine. It's fine. I just, like at that, least sit, it's like sitting on a real toilet. In that moment though, I... I, I've, I've experienced that. We all have, I, you know, but. The rumbly and the dumbly. I guess the thing is, is usually, not, maybe not always, but usually when it happens like that, there's a, a sudden issue, something is amiss, and it's not usually a one and done. So all I could think was like, oh my God, she's, this is going to happen again. And she's just going to feel horrible and she's going to have to like either live with this or empty it and then going to happen again and maybe she should just go outside for a while and I don't even like, what do you do? Because, you know, when you're at home and you feel that way, like you, you can leave the bathroom but maybe stay close <laughs> just in case and like, I don't know, that that would be really hard too, the, when the she, bathroom situation. When like she, the day-to-day poop and pee, whatever, you can make that work. We've all been camping and yeah. made, it, made it work but those instances where something something goes wrong <laughs> that would just be so hard next thing you know you're shitting in the street just shit just shit in the street. street you know <laughs> maybe you should go outside <laughs> maybe you should she was mostly alone just take your bucket outside it's gonna happen again and it's gonna be bad <laughs> things there are a few things more amusing to me than this toilet talk and i just it just really amuses me um but i honestly i would get one of those portable toilets from dometic oh yeah because it's it's small but you can just sit on it i loved i loved when she was talking about the different size buckets and she pulled out the taller bucket if you got (laughs) bad knees i was like woman you know me And you can get, like, a like little a toilet seat to go on the bucket. You can get one of those, like, fold-up chairs. That right. Just has but those, <laughs> just cut a hole in it. Just cut a hole in it. <laughs> like, the, like, in China. Yeah. Like, that was, it was made that way. Right. The people were carrying around, like, a little right, old seat man. with a hole in it because you don't want to squat over that squatty toilet. But the, <laughs> the, uh, 
you could, the glamping toilets are basically the size of a big bucket. Mm-hmm. It just looks like it has toilet seat and like a lid and everything. So it's nice. It's easy. I'm sure mm-hmm. the domestic toilets are the same. Yeah, and you could also kind of flush it. So if you're in a situation where she's in, that tank obviously is very small. It's only going right. to hold so much. But you know something's going to come in another 20 minutes, but you don't feel well. So you don't want to take it out and dump it. You can just go ahead and flush it down and wait for that next 20 minutes to come. Do you want to explain to the uninitiated how, like, what's a black water tank and what's a gray water tank in an RV? Um, so it's kind of like it sounds. You know, black water is filled with the dark stuff. The tharts. Um, the tharts. All the dark tharts. <laughs> Gray water's just a uh, dirty water. Slightly dirty like because... dish water, shower you, Exactly. Water. You washed your dishes or you washed yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, the black water is the poop water. And then, so you use your facilities, and this would be in like an actual camper, like in a, like either a fifth wheel or right, an RV motorhome. So you have tanks, yeah. You have a tank. So, so how do you get it out of the tank and into the dump station? So your RV is going to have a handy-dandy little uh, hose attachment. Mm-hmm. You're going to hook that hose up. You're going to take it all the way out to the dump station. You're going to flip a switch. <laughs> and you're going to use your gray water to flush out after you've, after you've emptied water. that tank. Yeah. yeah, so you'll kind of, you got to do one before the other. Obviously, you want to use the cleaner water to, to flush the other stuff out. And here's the thing. If you're in a, a big RV, you don't have to do this all the no. time, of course. No. And there are a lot of people who, not people who like, well, so if you live in your RV, obviously you're using the toilet. And if you go on, you know, week-long trips, obviously you're going to use the toilet. But there are a lot of people who go on, like, weekend trips or they go to certain campgrounds that and have you toilets. And like, those facilities. And, yeah, yeah, and they'll just use those. Then you never have to worry about it, which... And there are little sensors that'll tell you if you would like if how full your tanks are. Yeah. On the really nice setups and and there are different treatments that you can put in. So you know <laughs> you can get yourself like a macerator. Is that what you it's get called? A macerator, yeah. Well, to chop everything up nice. Exactly. Oh. But it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, but we there are these um. If you're far away from the dump station, like a little portable tank mm-hmm. that you can unload into that mm-hmm. and then you like tote Inter- it yeah. over to the the dump. The dump. Or you can store it and then dump it later. Gross. Well, I guess if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's an emergency sort of thing. And then what's the cassette one? The cassette is just a smaller toilet. So there's no tank. It mm-hmm. is the tank, but it's such a tiny tank. They just so call you it have a to cassette. So you have to take the tank out yeah. and dump it. So it's like, as a, it looks like hooking a it up. suitcase that yeah. you would take out. There's not a line to the outside of the RV right. that you would. Which honestly seems better to me. Then you don't have to worry about cleaning out a hose, storing a hose. You can just, you have to empty it a lot more, mm-hmm. sure. But you can just take that yeah. that tiny tank out and go dump it. So I think the setup that Fern has is a lot simpler because she's just going to be dumping that like it's a, I yeah, mean, a bucket. It's just a chamber pot, right? Yeah. yeah. People survived with chamber pots for centuries. Exactly. Um, and she, you know, as she did at one point in the movie too, you could just go out and pop squat too mm-hmm. if you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Well, favorite outdoor pee? Do you have a recollection of a favorite? Um, or a, maybe a more dangerous situation? Where I have a really hard time peeing in the water i used to really have a problem with that but anymore now it's not a deal so i remember a float trip i don't know which one it was but i had such a hard time peeing in the water and then at some point it just worked mm-hmm. and it felt so good 
because I, I just, I really needed to go. Like, it was, you know, yep. the pain of it. I had to go, because, so, of course, mm-hmm. you go on a float trip, you're drinking the whole time. And, yeah. Like, I, it felt really fucking good. <laughs> I remember being in the river. Like, we weren't even floating anymore. We were just hanging out in the river, and TJ would just go, I'm, I'm peeing. He'd hold up his arms and be like, I'm peeing. I'm peeing. Yeah, he was doing so it So much time. fun. We had so much fun. I also had a friend when we were in Paris who popped a squat right next to the Eiffel Tower. I definitely peed on, I think I peed on Jesse Hall at Mizzou late, late at night. Pop and that's squat. a hall, okay? Because so you it's said like a, it's like Jesse a, Hall, and I thought you were talking about a person <laughs> for a second. <laughs> I peed on the no. Cool. Uh, it's a building. It's the domed building on Mizzou's campus, and there was like a little wall coming off it. Me and my roommate. There's like five traditions at Mizzou. Like one of them is like shout from Speaker Circle. I can't remember them all now. And we were like, "This is a new one. We're gonna piss on Jesse Hall." Oh. We were trying to come up with an alternate. Okay. More gross five traditions. But. I don't think that I have really marked my territory that much out in the world i've definitely you know peed in nature but nothing yeah. that stands out other than like i said i can't i can't normally do it i can remember the one time in my life too that i peed in the shower you were there i will not you were there what <laughs> it was when we were in joshua tree i don't even know why i don't in even that, know in how that it house happened. in joshua tree yeah it was like you I, peed in the shower? Did I use that shower? Oh, yeah, of course. No, oh. no actually, you didn't. We because had you had, we had you, you had an ensuite. Yeah. Um, first time I've ever done it. I just, I guess I felt really relaxed there. I don't know. It, it was, was all the weed. Very strange. It wasn't it was even chill the day. Bill's weed. I don't, I don't know. The sourdough that he made for us. It was a good, that was a nice vacation. I just find it really hard to release. I can't. There's no way. I've never peed in the shower and I never will. I never thought that I would, honestly. I was already in my my 30s when we went. I had never done it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I I don't necessarily love to pee outside. No, I mean, I prefer not. If I have to, do it. Yeah, exactly. You gotta do what you gotta do. So we talked about, like, uh, I guess I was thinking, too, like, at the beginning of the movie when she's singing What Child Is This, you see her and she's kind of taking a long, I'm assuming she's trying to keep herself awake on this long drive. Oh, I just thought she was just singing to herself. But. Longest solo drive. Um. Fuck, I don't know. I don't. I, honestly, solo, probably just a few hours. Like, yeah, me too. To Mizzou and back. Um, yeah, I, I mean, any of the long road trips I've been on has been with people. family or friends. Yeah. 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 I mean, the longest drive I've ever done that I did 100% myself would be New Orleans, from here to New Orleans and from New Orleans back. Um, yeah. Not by yourself, though. But I was with people. Right, but right, I did right, the right. driving. Yeah. You were in the car. Yeah. You were there. Yeah, I mean, we went to uh, Cape, Cape Cod. Cod. I would say that would be the, the farthest one, yeah. Yeah. But New Orleans, obviously, was but pretty yeah. far, too. But solo And then drive. we've driven a couple of times yeah. to Florida. And... Solo drive's probably, like, I mean, the two hours to, it's less than two hours to Quincy. I do all the time. And then, yeah. like, Columbia from... Mizzou and back home, I did that about a million times when mm-hmm. I was in college. Um, and that was like a couple hours. Less than two hours, probably. But, yeah. Yeah. Not a ton. No. There is something... I think at the younger... You know, as a kid, I was really scared. Especially when I first... Not even just when I first started driving. When I first started driving and then for s- several years after that, driving really scared me. Like... 
if I miss my exit, I might die kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I I need to know where I am at all times. And for whatever reason, it shifted right around the time I turned 30. And I don't know if it was just age that, you know, I just kind of... Comfort level. Yeah, or because I you know moved out to St. Charles which is a different area so Mm -hmm. like I just kind of moved to a different location where things were positioned in different ways or that kind of stuff but now I'm kind of like just fucking drive yeah I mean as long as you as long as you don't get a flat tire run out of gas that kind of stuff always freaks me out of course you know because there are things that can happen Mm -hmm. but in terms of like knowing where you are or where you're going or getting lost I'm kind of like and it's not because not because we have, though it's great that we do have, you know, um, interactive and maps everything. and everything, yeah. right? It's great that we have that, and I do feel a comfort level because of that. But honestly, I never use those unless I really, really have mm-hmm. to. So it's not even because of those that I got that comfort. I think it really was just sort of a, you worry about so much stuff, you can't worry about it all, your brain has to let something go, and for whatever yeah. reason my brain let that go, and now it's kind of like... There's, there is a, a freedom that comes in just mm-hmm. driving, too. Oh, yeah. And just kind of figuring out. Like, I've definitely gotten better at, like, I know, like, how things are oriented, mm-hmm. like, what direction I'm going, so I can kind of figure out from there. I think the funnest... Mm. I never know which direction I'm going. But I know, like, landmarks and things, yeah. so at least I can figure out... I have good spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea if it's, you know, north, south, north east, south. west. I, I, and by that, I mean, like... Well, yeah, for me, I'm like, I know where the river is, and I know where the river isn't. And that's how I orient okay, myself yeah. here. Like, Highway 70 and the river, that then I can orient myself. Um, when Jim and I were in Ireland, we did a lot of driving. And that was an experience because I, f- I had to figure out, like, the roads weren't marked like they are here. It wasn't like mm-hmm. Highway 70 or Highway 270 or whatever. It was, And it was small, like, back roads through the countryside. What I realized was... I shouldn't be looking at the map and worrying about what road we were on. I needed to pay attention to what towns were along the way to the town we needed to get to. Mm. And that took a, like, probably a couple days for me to figure out. Because I kept being like, what road? What road? And then I remember we were, it was probably, like, our first day there. Um, and we had been up all, like, 24 hours. Like, because we flew overnight and then we got there and then we, like, were driving and we wanted to see the burn in this part of Ireland, which is, like, this rocky area that's supposed to be really beautiful and we were in this tiny little town which is like all of ireland and we're in this we like stopped this guy in the street and we're like where's the burn and he's like you're in it (laughs) (laughs) it's here like just drive that way and you'll find it so just a lot of that like because there's not like here everything's marked all that like you just everything there's a sign for everything Mm -hmm. you know exactly where you are at all times it's funny like i (laughs) i remember vicky getting really mad at me when we were driving through Ireland and Northern England, too, and it was the same kind of thing, like, because I'm in charge of the map. Right. You have to navigate. I have to navigate because the only other person in the car is a two-year-old, and apparently he doesn't know how to read a map. Right. Useless. Two-year-olds are useless. They really are. All he was good for was throwing up cheese. Cheese barf. Ugh. Worse. But, but I, I can't, like, I, it's not that I can't read a map, it's that I don't care. So she would be like, where are we? And I'd be like, what? <laughs> Was I supposed to be paying attention to that? I got mad at you too, dude. And well, no, that's what I was gonna say. Is I I think in part when she would get mad, there would be times where I actually tried there and found that I couldn't keep track. And it's like you said, it was there. There are no signs anywhere. Like I'm yeah. looking, I don't yeah. see. I have no idea where there we are. There are no signs, so and it's not my fault. Where we are. Yeah, but I will admit that yes, I don't. I just don't care. And it really, <laughs> I know you've gotten mad at me. There have been other people who have too, because. 
But I have to tell you, it's a very stressful situation to be in when you ask me to do something that I know I'm not going to be able to do well <laughs> because it's just not in me. It's like it's like if we go somewhere and you're like, all right, like let's go to Russia, and you're like, all right, Lindsay, you're going to be the translator, and I'd be like, что? <laughs> and you'd be like, good, and I'd be like, no, that's, that's all it. I know. That's all I've got. <laughs> that's it. That's, got. that's it. <laughs> yeah, I cannot help you. This is Putin. Putin. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I'm not a good navigator. But, <laughs> but it is stressful because I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let you down. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's I just, know I'm going to. It's confusing <laughs> to me because you're so on with everything else and you need to know things. But this one thing, you're just like, eh. I honestly think my, I, I think I snapped. It, <laughs> I think at some point in my life, my brain just went, uh, you are worried about so much shit. We got to throw some crap out and, and then it disappeared. <laughs> this is going to be one of the things. It's just gone. I'm going to let this one go. Because when I was a kid, I would like, I'm old as fuck. So we had MapQuest, right? Mm-hmm. So I would print out the MapQuest direction. <laughs> yep, I'd yep. print them out. I'd fucking memorize them. Oh, yeah. I would like memorize what the map looked like as well. And then the whole time I'd be white knuckling it, like looking for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was... I was that way, and now, so not only out. am I not that way, but I gotta be real with you, girl. You make me fucking crazy when we're in the car, mm-hmm. and you're like, you have the navigation going, <laughs> and you're still looking at the map, too, and you're like, I have to follow the dot. I have to know where I am. I have to know exactly where this turn is coming in 27 it's, minutes. It's, it's nice. It's nice to see. I think it's a nice thing to have there, but you rely on it a yeah, lot. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I think do. you need to snap your brain a little. <laughs> There's a happy medium, and it's probably somewhere between us, for sure. Like, I should probably care a little bit more, because if I did go off on my own in a van, you'd never find me no, again. You, like, if you were like, I'm getting a van, and I'm going to Alaska, I'd be like, well, nice I, knowing you. I'd call you, like, six months later, and you'd be like, where are you? And I'd be like, I don't know. Illinois? There's a, a lot of water over there. It's kind of cold. Some people are speaking French. Does that mean I'm still in Canada? Fuck, I don't know. I would not be saying I'll see you down the road. I'd be saying it was nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah, it's probably wise. Um, I don't, I guess, I, did you have any other, I, again, I went into this knowing what I know about camping and RVing, which is just enough to be dangerous, and then <laughs> seeing this different kind of world, and I'm just, at this point, I'm like, fuck the influencers. They're not living true they're not authentic genuine authentic lives these people are real like well and i think it's kind of what we were saying before too though that you know if if you have a hole in you that needs to be filled that's fine but it's different for everyone and i think we all need to kind of understand that too so for someone they may find a lot of satisfaction in being part of a community Mm -hmm. as opposed to um being part of nature Mm-hmm. Or maybe it is about being alone and it's not about the community at all. It's about being out and have, being able to travel from place to place in the world. Or maybe it's not about nature or about community. It's about just being disconnected from things. Mm-hmm. And maybe I want to be disconnected from things because I feel trapped by them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I want to feel disconnected from things because I feel like consumerism and capitalism are killing the world and I'm just angry about it and I'm pushing back on it. I mean, there are so many reasons yeah. for people to do anything out there. So even influencers who, I, and this is the old it, crotchety. I think, de- I think it depends on the person. Because I think Jessica, to Jessica Bruder's point, there are some people who are like, I don't have enough money to buy a house. And I don't want to have to pay an, 
pay for rent, and I have a job that sure. allows me to do whatever, like, to travel, and I'm just going to do freelance work, and I'm just going to travel. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it, there are certainly people out there who are not living an authentic life. I feel like I'm one of them a lot of the time. Um, and I, I think it's really easy to pick up on influencers and, you know, Instagrammers and all of those fucking obnoxious children just, and say that they're not because it doesn't feel like they are because you're it, just posting the good they're stuff. Make, yes, they're making it look different than it actually is. But right. I, I shouldn't say that because I have watched videos of people who live in their van and, but exactly, and they yeah, are yeah. talking about the real stuff. Right. But the and la- even people who don't talk about the real stuff, they might still be living it. They might still be loving it. They mm-hmm. might just recognize that that's not what people want to see. Right. So they're only going to show you the good stuff. Maybe. I don't I don't always know. I mean, they had, like, the last one I watched, it was this couple who, they've been doing it for about a year, and they talk a lot about, and it was their first couple of videos, so they were a little bit rough, but, like, they were showing how everything was set up in the van, mm-hmm. and the toilet, They I don't think they use the toilet. I think it's more for emergencies. I think mm-hmm. they're probably typically using a bathroom somewhere at a campground or... I mean, I know. would if, you had, yeah. if you're yeah. somewhere you can. It's not, it's... Because, like, the, 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 I think it was the wife, I think they're married, she said, you know, my husband, whatever his name was, he's used it. So I don't think that they're using that as much. Like, I think that they are really just Mm -hmm. using facilities elsewhere, and it's more of, like, a, which I'm not saying that's not real. Like, that's how, if that's how you want to live, like, that's how you live. Like, yeah, I think, I mean, it depends on who you are, too. My personal perspective is if I were to live, if I were to go... If I were to give up my house and live on the road, yeah, I personally would prefer a van or a really, really small RV that I could take anywhere. I, I, I right, you know, and not have to worry about parking. Not have to and, worry about parking. Yeah. Not have to worry about. Not have to worry about being in a campground mm-hmm. because honestly, I wouldn't want to go to a campground. In the same way as when I travel, I don't want to go to. I might go to some of the touristy locations because you know, when in Rome, you got to do some right. stuff, but. I don't want that to be the bulk of my life is just going where everybody else is. I'd want to go elsewhere. And I think that's, that's the greatest freedom that you would have with a house on wheels. Right. So I guess I never understood, like we've seen some really nice motorhomes. Monster, monster motorhomes. And they're gorgeous. Like there's no stealth parking that bad boy. Right. I don't really understand the appeal aside from, I understand the appeal if you just like to go on, you know, like week long trips every Mm -hmm. So often, and you are just going like, to park in a campground. Yeah, and, and your your plan is to go to just the national right. parks and park in campgrounds. I don't think there's anything wrong with those kinds of vacations, but if you're actually going to really hit the road, really live that way, that mm-hmm. life, I would want to go to the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Um, to where there wouldn't be toilets around either, you know, mm-hmm. or electrical hookups or anything right. else. So, like off the grid, at least not. I probably would end up in parks sometimes because right. you it would be it'd be nice in the same way mm-hmm. as you know if you travel all the time, you may every once in a while want to splurge for a nice hotel. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I lived in a van, every once in a while I would probably if would. I had the money, yeah. I would splurge for a, a nice, nice hotel, shower, nice just bed. to get a bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um just just thoughts on vans in general? Did before the whole van life thing and like the tiny homes thing. How, what was your feeling about vans? I, so we had a van growing up. Like a minivan? Yeah, we had a minivan. Okay. My dad uh, sold defibrillators. Okay. And it was his work car. Okay. Um, and it, we used to joke about it because, it, you know, yeah, you would call it like a mom van or something. It's but like he the, loved it. It's like it. the new grocery getter. It used to be the station wagon, then it became the minivan. Yeah, but he loved it because 
defibrillators can be heavy. Um, and it was really easy to get them in and out of a van as opposed to pulling them in and out of a trunk or um, even the, the back of an SUV yeah. or something. So he loved, like, the load height of having a van, too. And, of course, had two kids. You can move everything in it. Like, we'd pop the – I remember when we moved to Chesterfield, and that was 89. So, yes, there are seatbelt laws, but maybe not as enforced. But I remember we had taken all of the seats out of the back so that we could move stuff and uh, we were done moving so we were you know gonna go back and like get the final final load mm-hmm. and um, the van was empty and my dad just let us sit in the back without any <laughs> of the seats and we were like playing the game of you know getting up on your knees and seeing how long you could balance yeah. as he would drive around corners and stuff it was so much fun and so stupid and dangerous but whatever well, dad. trust your dad yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously that's not living a van life but <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with a van that was spacious and roomy and had everything you could need. You know, you had your own, like, little air station when you're back that was really mm-hmm. comfortable for road trips. Plenty of cup holders. And this is well before the time where children were coddled with their own personal television screens. Everybody's got a screen. It's fucking ridiculous. You get a screen and you get a screen. You had, like, we might, you could bring your Walkman along if you need yeah. some privacy <laughs> and your own music, but, yeah. but still, having... Uh, like they were, they're roomy enough that More you could space. have your own space. So. Mean, meanwhile, me and my sister were crammed in the back of a gremlin. But that's oh god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's terrible. But you know, it's different. Different, different strokes were different. different. We had for different. Folks. We had Alfie in the back. Um, when we went to Bull Shoals down at the Arkansas border, we had Alfie with us, who was sixty pounds, sixty pound Ooh. dog. And we had her cage, too, her kennel. Um. So we had a big kennel that we fit in the back. So we took out the back row of seats, mm-hmm. put our like suitcases in her kennel back there and uh yeah I mean you could fit anything it was great that was great yeah. so that and then <laughs> I admittedly do have a, a weird kind of fantasy of I like I think we've talked about this in the past too that I kind of like small spaces mm-hmm. um I like small spaces and sounds crazy I I kind of fantasize about packing like just packing just essentials okay what what would those be like you're leaving there's i don't know there's there's a hurricane coming you can only take certain things it's so bizarre i I do not want to think about that i'm a fucking hoarder and the idea of losing my stuff scares the hell out of me and yet i have these fantasies about like but what would I bring? I can only shove stuff into, uh, you know, you have 10 minutes and you've got to shove everything in. And I'm not even choosing stuff. I'm just like living through it and picturing it like, oh, yes, I would grab this and I would grab these and I would grab, okay, well, don't forget to grab more underwear. And oh, you got to get the dog's favorite toy. And like, I don't know, all of those little things. Like, underwear can be purchased. I'm like me. Well, cats. no, in this in this fantasy, this is the, uh, like the world's ending and I'm done. Oh, and this is, so I need my stuff. Okay. Yeah, this is this is going to be it. This is what I'm living with in the van, I guess. Okay. I mean, I have dreams like this still where I have dreams where it's just me like running around packing stuff and it's not even necessarily frenetic packing. I might be having a dream about fucking anything. We we could be hanging out and I'm like packing in the background <laughs> or we could be at work and I'm putting fucking together a weird suitcase. fantasy. Like I don't know why. I'm I, honestly, I think I might disappear. She's obsessed with packing into a van. <laughs> <laughs> There's something very comforting to me about being in a small space with just the stuff that I and need. having it all kind of in its place and, and it's yeah, nice and, and neat. The and stuff that I need is right easy. here. Yeah, and it's all that yeah. I need within reach. I like it. Do I know if I can live that way? I don't know about that. Like I may very well be a weekend and then be like. 
Holy I fuck, I need more stuff. I need more space. I can't breathe more here. More than a weekend to adjust to that. Yeah. Probably yeah. a So I don't too. know if I could ever really be one of those people. Yeah. Um, but there's a part of me that thinks I could. When I think about vans, the very first van I was ever in was my Uncle George had this, the one, one of the older big ones that had like a table in the center in the back. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. One of those old from like the 70s and yeah. 80s. And so I definitely rode in that a couple of times and was like, whoa, this a lot of room in here you know like the curtains in the windows those were really cool yeah. i remember one of my friends had a van like that and it felt like yeah. felt like a motorhome yeah because a minivan to me anymore it's like driving a big car yeah like it's it's not well we've also we're at a point now where like when we were kids there were not suvs like there right are now either, right yeah you know? so minivans now are very very fancy and oh, yeah. um and then i always think of jennifer's body when uh, the band is in the van, it's like the Adam Brody's band, the Satanist band, and they kidnap Jennifer. Or they didn't kidnap her. They convince her to get in there after the fire at Melody Lane. And uh, Amanda Seyfried's character comes home and she calls her boyfriend Chip because they took Jennifer and she's worried about her. And Chip's like, what were they driving? And she's like, I don't know, Chip, an 88 rapist? Like, it's a, rape <laughs> it's a van. I don't have to tell you. Because there was definitely those those... I don't, there were probably some truth to it, but, like, this urban legends or true stories about, like, somebody in a van I think handing out candy the, to kids yeah. or picking up kids off the street. That's always the kind of right. stereotype, the right? The raper van. Stay away from the van. Right. So, that was kind of my, always my thought about Because the van that she's in is, like, a work van. Mm. It's got the rain gutter and it's got some ladder wreck on top of it. and It's a good old E350. Yeah. I liked the little lecture she got from Swanky about the paint job. Like, it's not looking good. You need to work. You need to fix that up. I did, like, and, and just as she was talking about it, she's like, this is more work than I thought. This is really involved. She's like, yeah, you're going to stop working? <laughs> no. It did seem quite involved, though. But, you know, okay, I will say, first of all, it's your home, so you should take care of it. You do. Well, but also, I don't always take care of the home that I do live in. And I think that comes down to just who you are, Also, Like, if I'm comfortable in my house, even though the wall's dirty... I should clean the wall, right, sure. Right. Like, I, I'm saying this because I just noticed it the other day because the dog's been, like, flicking his... Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah. You know, yeah. There's, there's a spot over there from Garfield when he had yucky ears. And, yeah, the ears and everything. Um, so I do need to clean the wall. But the point is, is it doesn't... I don't see dirt in the same way that some mm-hmm. people do. And I think she was just that kind of person who she yeah. just didn't... She just didn't see that rust well, until she pointed out to her. She was, she was really like, proud oh, okay. of her... Right, end. that's what I mean. She and was all, proud of what yeah. she had done to it. Right. She didn't and she sees it. that mm-hmm. stuff. She just didn't see everything else. Yeah. And when you're looking at your house or your car every day, you don't yeah. necessarily, unless you really intent, intentionally start to look for those things. Sure. And let's be real. Some of us are just slobs. That's a very good point. I'm Thank just like, I admit it. I don't think that I'm a dirty person, but right. I'm a slob. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only other thing I was curious about was Frances McDormand, if you had any other thoughts about her and her. I mean, she's wonderful in this film. And I loved her in Three Billboards Outside Emmy, Missouri. And I could, I can't off the top of my head think of anything else that I've seen her in. But every time I do see her, I get I know she's been in a lot of shit. Those are the two things that more recently I've seen her in that I thought she was great in. I honestly, I, I still never finished, actually, um, Three Billboards. I loved Three I Billboards. I did not. I didn't enjoy it. And I think it's just, I mean, it's not something you should enjoy. Sam Rockwell. So. And I love Sam Rockwell. And but he's my there was favorite something about it that. that just, I didn't. I don't care. Oh. But honestly, dude, Fargo. 
I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen Fargo. But she is... She makes it. Fucking A, Promised Land. Did you ever see that with Matt Damon? I did. It's a good one. It's a fun one. It, I mean, it was all right. It wasn't bad. Uh, after reading. See. I mean, yeah, she's married to a Cohen, so... All that stuff. Something's Gotta Give. That's a good... Laurel Cannon's actually pretty good. Almost Famous. I forgot about her in that. Oh, I love that movie. She was crazy in that. That was fun. She was like a, a like a sweet crazy mom. <laughs> <laughs> she was in Primal Fear. I didn't remember her in Primal Fear. Primal Fear. What the fucking was she? Somebody's mom. I don't know. Was she like the? I feel like I need to the rewatch shrink Primal or Fear. Something? I do not remember. I cannot recall. I don't know. Um, oh, I didn't realize she was in Mississippi Burning. Raising Arizona, which is on the list. Uh oh, she apparently was on Spencer for Hire for an episode. What a great show. Something called Chattahoochee with Dennis Hopper and, and Gary Oldman. Hunter, I just want to see it. Hunter was one of my all-time favorite. Like, that was a favorite 80s show. Oh, I fucking love Hunter so much. Anyway, when I think of Frances McDormand, I think of Fargo. Yeah. Not that she's not great regardless, but like in my mind, that's... She's that's interesting. Fun. I think she's had a really interesting career, and I think that she does great work, and... Mm-hmm. I take her very seriously, I guess. Yeah, no, she's, I do too. I think yeah. she's amazing. I think she has, she's very natural. And you see that in this movie, perhaps oh, more God, so than yes. any other, that, you know, she, it's, it feels effortless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in something like Fargo, she's a bit of a caricature of a character because the whole movie is, is sort of caricature. Unfortunately, the, so way, we know the way she, that they, the accent, I think, I think and the way that the behaviors, I think, were a little bit. I think parts of it are over the top, but it's just because that's, it's supposed that's to what be it's that supposed way. to be. It's supposed to be a little bit absurd and a little... Right. Yeah. But I think it's great that she can do both so well. Like, you you watch her in that and she is, uh, yeah, like a bit of a caricature, but I still buy her as a real person. Um, and she's amazing in it. And then you can see a movie like this as well, where it just feels so natural and fluid mm-hmm. and um, knowing that they were shooting with real people and knowing that in so doing, I- I'm certain there were things that uh, were unscripted. You know, they're just probably sitting around and, okay, you guys go ahead and tell your stories. And she's just a part of it. And I imagine being a part of it, she would have to be just, she's that character still, of course. But, you know, she's playing Fern, but she's also just being herself. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell the difference really with her. It would take me out when it felt like this scene was put on mm-hmm. like the scenes like, put on by oh, somebody now they're gonna tell their story right exactly and and that person isn't really an actor and it feels a little bit awkward that's the kind of stuff that would take me out <clears throat> in terms of having real people in there but i felt like she was on the whole time i mm-hmm. felt like her character she was her character the whole time yeah. and it sounds like she really immersed herself in this role she did some of the jobs mm-hmm. she lived in the van she should have done the amazon job for a little bit longer not great at packing that box but She's a little slow at packing the boxes you know and i m- imagine they get paid by the box too right or at least bonus by, by the it? package i don't know i don't know how that maybe works. i should go work i do think it is on like a it is some kind of a bonus or pay plan system because i gotta tell you packaging stuff it's fun. It's I mean, fun. you just talked about packing being like a fantasy. Oh, shit. I never thought of that. It, direct link to packing a box. I had never thought about that. You're, you've missed your calling, maybe. Wow. Well, I mean, I did it for a couple of years. You can just go work in our warehouse if you're that maybe, juiced up maybe. about yeah, packing I should. boxes. I don't know. Just go try it out for a week in the summer when they're really busy. Wouldn't it be awesome if I was like a fucking rock star? <gasps> you guys could have like a bidding war. Content versus warehouse. <laughs> Who's going to get it? 
you... That's my dream, by the way. That is my dream fantasy about work, that there will be some kind of, like, throwdown where, like, different people from different departments will be like, I want Lindsay. I want Lindsay. She's the best. I Oddly, that's also a romantic fantasy of mine. That, like, not even just two men, but perhaps multiple men. And then maybe more will just come by. They'll see a gathering and they'll be like, what's going on here? And they'll be like, we're fighting for her hand. And then another guy would be like, fuck that. I want her. And I'm not saying I'd go with any of them. Ultimately, I would choose where I want to work, too. No, here's what would happen. But I love the idea of you guys fighting over me. How about how about this is what happens in the throwdown? <laughs> One of them just comes along. Some big burly type dude with a beard. Or no beard. I don't know. No body hair. Maybe a little bit of a beard. And he just picks you up and carries you off. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's where you... I think that's where we're going with this. Interesting. Because you need someone to kind of take charge. Do you know what? I like that. I like the idea of these men fighting for me. Which makes me feel good because that makes me feel wanted. Right. But the but truth is... is choose. I don't really want any of those guys. Right. Because it's really kind of childish to it fight is. for someone. Yeah. It's immature. So I do like that idea that there's a throng of men fighting for my affections. And then and Tim yet, Riggins just walks in and he's like, you're coming with me. Woman. I like it. <laughs> and that is, Tim Riggins doesn't play by the rules. Fuck he it. He would just show up and be like, let's go. Can we not go back to Texas, though? Uh, yeah. I probably. prefer not. No, I don't... Texas is hurting right now. It is. No, absolutely. And it's very sad. Um, I I think Texas is great. Oh, okay. I think it's a good a good place. I I, I mean, okay, yeah. <laughs> you have you been to Austin? No, I've not. Austin's a lot of fun. I would like to go to Austin. I would like to go to Galveston. Mm-hmm. I really like to go to Galveston, Galveston. Um, just for the history of it. All right. Anything else about Nomadland that you want to talk about? No, it was. Uh... It was an interesting kind of slice of life film. I think the thing I was most taken with is just not knowing these people at all. Like they are, um, they're not people I've met in my yeah, life. Kind of cool. Yeah, and that's that's very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely an interesting watch. Um, I'm interested to read the book. I do think yeah, that a lot of the yeah. people we cater a lot of times when we talk about our clientele at work, it's about the people with money. It's mm-hmm. about people who are doing this because they want to do it. or And not well, to say that these people don't, but... In fairness, I think most of the people who are buying the stuff from us online they do have the are money. those people. Yeah. And the people like these folks who, you know, they might go to the shows, but then they're walking in the RVs and they're amazed by every little thing right. about it. Uh, they're making they're making this what they need it to be. Right. Like, she built out her own shelves, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at the buckets, honestly, yeah, knowing what I know about Dometic, I'd be like, can I afford a Dometic toilet? But mm-hmm. the God's honest truth is I'd probably build something with that bucket. Like mm-hmm. like you said, go and get a toilet seat and figure out a way to kind of mount a, um, a frame around it, something like that. So I think I would be the same kind of way of just building stuff up in my own way. I thought it was great when she was saying, he just had a mattress back here. And I figured I'll get storage underneath the mattress. Mm-hmm. Like, duh, that's exactly what you should do. That's perfect. It's a great idea. So yeah, I think a lot of those people are. Some of our clientele. Because we sell a lot of stuff that can cater to that as well. But but you're also talking about people who are trying to hand out paper resumes. Mm-hmm. So probably not it's doing quite as much online shopping. Not as much online shopping. They that know- was also 10 years ago. Right. That's that, true. That is true. I'm, the book sounds like it would be a good read. I would recommend that people watch this movie. And um, 
Mm-hmm. It, like I said, it was really interesting. And I would wager that mm-hmm. most people probably don't know many mm-hmm. of these people. Yeah. So it's a really great look into a totally different a world. A new group of people. And, yeah, not a new group of people, but... A new group. Newly discovered group new of people. <laughs> For you uh, anthropologists out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. From our van down by the river. The movie virgins. Hey, people. This is Leah. Uh, if you have the means, I strongly recommend that you check out Nomadland. It's streaming on Hulu right now. I believe it was released on the... Today is the 22nd, so it would have been the 19th, Friday the 19th, so it should still be streaming. Um, and that Esquire article that I mentioned is entitled Nomadland is a Real Human Story That's Not Over Yet by Adrian Westenfeld. Um, so you should check that one out too. The blog that I mentioned um, where the nice young woman is talking about maintaining a litter box in a small trailer is called tales of wanderlust so both that article and the blog are linked in the description to this episode so check those out if you get a chance um anyway yeah it was great great fun to see that movie and it was a lot of fun to hang and talk to Lindsay about it and she is as far as i know feeling better i think it was just allergies is what is what's happening with her she's a little bit extra snotty but she survived i was really happy to see that she made it through we did have to take a pee break in the middle of there, but uh, she made it. So so this is a very special episode. We'll be releasing another episode this week for Made. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. We're vacationing this weekend. A very safe, socially distanced vacation. Um, so yay for us. Uh, but there will be more episodes in the coming weeks. So thank you for listening. Wherever you are listening, if you could subscribe. If you could rate us, if you could review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll love you forever. We'll love you anyways. If you don't do that, we're on Twitter at Movie, Virgin, Movie Virgins Pod, and I will enunciate my words better moving forward. I've just been watching so much, so very much, Friday Night Lights, and that Texas, that Southern accent, that Texas accent's kind of sneaking in, and I apologize. So. Anyway, thanks for listening wherever you are. Hope you're safe, wearing your masks, staying healthy, and see you down the road. One last thing, the music in this episode was written and performed by Melissa Powers. Virgin's